of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. That time, it's Tuesday around 10.20. We got our guy from HuskerLine.com, Brian Munson. Brian, what's up, my man? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I, we were just having this conversation because we're talking about kids, and I know you've, you've got them, and we talked about what, they're, what purpose they serve, and we have a lot of people chiming in. I mean, their purpose is to serve you at some point. They got to, like, get you drinks. They got to mow the lawn, like, right? Isn't that why we have kids? <laughs> well, they do take a burden off there, but honestly, I think through that work, you try to teach them. You're trying to teach them values indirectly. Yes. I, I think that there's a, a there, if you don't reconnect on that message there about the things that need to be done, you know, and you maybe you may be pushing that off to that younger generation, but in the end, I think it's all about instilling some good work habits and values. Yeah, absolutely. That's perfectly said because we've been talking about, because Pinnacle Bank Arena is having issues right now at basketball games. The mm-hmm. lines are too long. People are missing things. They just went to where now it used to be at Pinnacle Bank. You had to be 19 to do anything non-alcoholic. And now it's 16. I'm like, that's perfect. Get these kids to work. Well, I mean, I, I think that there's some fair share of responsibility to go along with, you know, doing that type of doing that type of work. But mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I mean, it comes back down to, to management. And I, I think it does show, you know, when you've got that 16-year-old individual that's, that's interested in, in kind of getting out there and, and helping out and doing some things, I, I, it's, it's without getting too political and too far down that, that mm-hmm. road. <clears throat> It's a, it's a very difficult day and age in this country right now with we're trying to find people to get in and do some work in some places and and why not try to try to instill that value um, in, in in those individuals a little bit earlier on and get them going. So I, I I'm completely for anything that's trying to bridge that gap here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we get into some a lot of Husker talk coming up, um, we all love college football like the you know the next person and love being around it, love seeing the games, but man. What a snoozer last night. Jeez. It's like, I, I was know. telling I, Will. I, I didn't uh, make it much past halftime, but go ahead. Yeah, I was <laughs> telling Will, like, it's not just, you know, it's the fan. Like, everybody, like, there's people out. There's a lot, like, across the entire country. Will was at a watch party. They're filling the bars locally in town. And you look up at halftime, you're like, well, now what? <laughs> yeah, the, the the now what at halftime for me was that, I felt like TCU came in prepared um, for the majority of the games I saw them play this last season where they had to go back in and, and needed some things to kind of go their way. Last night, I, I felt like they played. They, they started out the game almost scared and tentative. And, mm-hmm. and then once they got behind, I think there was only so much I felt like that they could do that they couldn't get points and bunches it's never been that really their style and it's just 
I think what you kind of got them into that position there a little bit and get them back on their heels, they had really no way of kind of responding to it. So when Kirby Smart was before the game and at halftime about being physical and taking it to them, they did. And they did the entire game. And, 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 and Coach Saban was absolutely correct last night where he said he really felt like, you know, the biggest advantage for Georgia over TCU was at the line of scrimmage. And they yeah. dominated them last night, whether they were – you had some big old boys. I mean, I don't even know if it was just the color schemes or what, but the defensive linemen for Georgia looked like they were two to three inches taller across than TCU's offensive linemen. And and I, and I was asked, you know, this morning, you know, what was what's what's kind of the picture then as you kind of think about Georgia and what happened last night with TCU as it kind of relates now to Nebraska. And, and in all honesty, I I, I think the TCU roster was. It is it's pretty it was pretty good and and I felt like you know people have been people have said like on Twitter and social media they've asked a question about you know Dykes taking TCU to the the college football playoff in the national championship in year one in his tenure at, at TCU why couldn't Rule do that in Nebraska There's some pretty big reasons why in my opinion why Rule couldn't do that in Nebraska I think that there is a fairly significant amount of talent difference between where I think Nebraska is going to be at in 2023 versus where TCU at was at with 2022. And I think then if you still go back and you kind of then, if you, if you really want to kind of overanalyze it, then you could, you could then assess from the talent gap from TCU to Georgia, from Georgia to Nebraska, it, it's quite significant. And, and that's, a, that's a good team that we watched last night. I think I'm a bigger fan of last year's Georgia team being a better overall team top to bottom i think they just had some some more dudes particularly in that front seven on defense even though they weren't they, there were no slouches last night in that area i just felt like they had a couple more dudes that were that were over there um playing defense for georgia last year you know brian let me ask you because obviously there's a lot of people out there thinking that maybe tcu shouldn't have been in that game that maybe there's other teams out there that should have got in and would have made a better game against georgia do you think with the 12 team playoff coming do you think that helps this? Where I, th- I think the twelve-team playoff will give us better national championship games. To where, you know, a team like TCU will maybe lose as they may have to play three games to get to the championship. Basically, what I'm asking is, do you think the twelve-team playoff will help us not get blowouts in the in the championship game? Well. It's interesting because that's where my mind kind of ultimately strayed to because I think people are also then drawing the parallel based on the, the, the margin of victory last night to kind of come up with the statement that, te- that the Georgia team last year is one of the best teams in, in college football history. And I would – well, I'm certainly not going to sit there and tell you that they weren't any good. I would, I would never put them in the same category of 95 Huskers – um, and several other teams that are kind of out there. But how and why do you get to this result from 65-7 to, you know, then Nebraska over Florida and the, and the, the Tostitas Fiesta Bowl? Well, I, I think that you had a little bit better of a chance, and this is just me saying this, and I, even though you're only talking about four teams kind of getting through stuff, I, I think that you've got this chance to kind of catch lightning in a bottle, which is what maybe TCU did a little bit to get them into the CFP and then to win the semifinal game and then get them into the into the finals, you know, uh, all together. While 
there were obviously years that you didn't get those top two teams matched up, particularly when you start talking about Big Ten, Big Twelve, and or Big Eight because of, of the of the bowl affiliate affiliations and, and what you're and what you're kind of tied into. But I, I feel like twelve teams can makes it very difficult for a team to, to continually try and catch that lightning in a bottle. I, I feel like I feel like at some point it's like you're you you can't go out there and and just and just kind of keep lining up and 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 hoping that some things are going to kind of go your way or 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 have good fortune fall on your way. And I'm not saying that at all about way TCU won the semifinal either. I'm just saying you you're going to have a difficult team, difficult more difficult time getting through basically those extra set of games uh, to get to the, to the CFP final. And I think it will be a, a battle of attrition somewhat, but I think ultimately talent is still talent and coaching is still going to win out. And that's going to be ultimately what's going to help you get through 12 better, you know, and you're going to have to, you have to be more talented and better coached than, than lucky just to, to just to win the one and get you into the CFP. We're speaking to Brian Montahuskaline.com. Brian, man, another day, another week, another minute. I don't even know what the timing is, but Nebraska gets another portal transfer in Billy Kemp, another top receiver, return man. Uh, why should Nebraska be excited about this gentleman? Um, well, I think there's several reasons. I think, number one, you could, you could turn back and look into the room of, of the wide receivers right now at Nebraska, and you don't see a clear number one. You don't mm-hmm. see you don't see a guy that that's that that Nebraska can just sit there and say this is going to be our number one option, you know, our our our, our guy. And I think Kemp, you know, he brings with him, you know, almost 200 catches worth of of, of production and, and nearly 1,800 yards of total of offense um, coming from Virginia. And he's obviously a guy that's that's going to help out with uh, with the return game. And and I think Nebraska can find different ways because I mean he's not. He's not really when you when you think about it in terms of like the number one options. Typically, that's been a six foot plus guy that that you know you're either lining up more as a as an X or a Z. Kemp may may be a guy that can play the Z, but he's really more of a slot guy, which really gets kind of interesting because you know in in, in recent years, whether it's Wandale, you know, um, or or other players, and how you can kind of move these guys around. And get them a little bit more involved, as opposed to the more true, lengthy, you know, looking guys that are more, you know, boundary guys. Um, th- this is really going to be an interesting scenario. So, and I think it even gets more and more interesting as you kind of like start to bring in like a Joshua Fleeks, and you say, "What is Fleeks' role going to be on that team?" Well, he's going to sit in two different rooms. Well, well, Billy Kemp is going to sit in a couple different rooms too. He's going to be in, in the wide receiver room and special teams room. And I think that that's going to help out a guy like Jaden Doss quite a bit, too, to kind of get acclimated and, and get into the culture and understand how he's supposed to be doing things. But I think that Kemp and Fleeks bring with them this <clears throat> this experience and 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 this, I'm going to call it a breadth of knowledge, but it really goes back to their experiences that they've had at the D1 level and how they're going to go out there, and it's going to be kind of like this leadership by example kind of thing that's really going to help, I think, this team mature quickly and, and that's really what you, what we're talking about here guys it's like there's talent on this team it's just they they don't they, they lacked confidence mm-hmm. they lacked development time and they and they never really were able to kind of pull it all together because 
a lot of guys got leaned on so early on in their careers that either confidence got shook or injuries were injuries were had or, or whatever else whatever the case may be. I think these guys can really take the pressure off that young off those that younger talent still that's on the team, give them a chance to, to, to take a step back, get some development in there, learn from these guys a little bit, and then start to develop depth mm-hmm. as, as time kinda goes on underneath, underneath rules. So this is this is about as big of a get in my opinion, honestly. Because not having that true number one in the room, mm-hmm. this is about as big of a get, I think, as Nebraska's had out of the portal. Um, also, hey, I don't know where we're at. I know you're, you're going to know this, but it seems like like this is turning to be a pretty big class, and we're allowed 85 scholarships. And I know there's still probably current kids that have got to make decisions, and there's other portal, uh, there's other announcements, and I know that Nebraska is waiting on. But I feel like it, you're in that weird time because I think like Coach Rule and staff, they're kind of pushing the envelope here a little bit, aren't they? Because I feel like they're above by a few, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, but I think people have got some. I think there's a. I think there's a, a timeline difference here that people don't really understand. I, I, I believe, and, and I need to kind of go back and double check my sources, but I believe that the only deadline to be at the 85 scholarship limit is on August 1st. Okay. So you can roll through the spring, and, and I think that they are from our from our distribution charts that chart that went up. I think they were at 92 or 93. So you're you're technically like seven or eight. And then you got Kemp, you got to add one. And then you got um, the two offensive linemen, you know, potentially that they're going to be declaring here in the next 24, 48 hours as well. Um, so those are, those are two more guys that Nebraska is still in on. And you lost out on Malik Hornsby, so that kind of that kind of then falls off a little bit. So they could get to 10 over, but I have got to think, guys. I mean, after the spring, and you bring in this influx of guys, you know, where it's Corey Collier and Chief Borders and the other other portal guys that are coming in, as well as, I would say, an expanded group of high school and junior college class guys so that have signed in December so far. Um, I'm thinking that some guys are going to see the writing is on the wall. And, and, I, and, and while I think that there has been some, uh, you know, some evaluations handed down to them from the previous staff and some one-on-one meetings that have taken place, and they probably have talked to some guys about them, you know, needing to stay or wanting, wanting them to stay versus, you know, they need to go through the spring and kind of evaluate and reevaluate. I, I think some guys are going to kind of generally see, you know, that coaches typically kind of, you know, gravitate towards their own guys. I think we've been here before where we've kind of seen this before and it's, it's kind of a sorry, sad process, but, but in reality, it's just, it's, it's college football. It's, 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 it's what really happens when these, when these staffs turn over, the roster turns over with them. We're talking to Brian Munson with HuskerOnline.com. It's interesting. You know, we saw a lot of guys start to leave uh, in the transfer portal when rule got hired, but you know, recently we haven't really been seeing uh, too many guys enter the portal do you know, is, is that a good thing? Do you think Rule has had conversations with most guys? And, I mean, is it safe to say that maybe we won't be seeing too many transfers? I mean, it's college football. It happens all the time. But, I don't know, I kind of feel good that we haven't heard about too many guys transferring right now. I think, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, I was just talking about this with Sean Callahan the other night. You know, if, if I don't, I'm not expecting a flurry of late kind of transfer portal announcements. It, it, this is a really risky time. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're really running out of that, that, that window that where you should have made this decision, you know, weeks, a month ago, 
to to whether or not you want to kind of go ahead and do this. Um, that being said, it sounds like you've got some guys that are interested, that are betting on themselves, that want to go through the spring, whether that's based on feedback or based on them just wanting to challenge themselves and wanting to go ahead and get things, you know, and change the opinions of, of the staff based on the evaluation or the practice film or whatever else that they were looking at from last year. So I, I think it's a good thing. I think that that can really add add to some competition that's there in the spring. It may make things a little bit more difficult when it comes to getting down to that 85 number that you're going to need to get down to come August. But I mean, um, I, I think I think in the end, I think you've got some guys that are that are kind of wanting to wait and see what what Rule and his staff are all about and. Look, based on what I've kind of heard about, like the, the strength and conditioning program, although it's been kind of you know voluntary up to this point, um, things have been really positive in that space. So I, I I think you've got some guys that really want to kind of see what what how things are going to kind of work under Matt Rule. Yeah, you know, I, you know, we sit here and we talk about transfers coming in, the new class coming in. I think something maybe as big to talk about is the uh, the affirmations of kids coming back. Obviously, Casey Thompson. Sure. Anthony Grant, uh, Ty Robinson, that could have probably done some stuff. Quentin, Jay Allen. Jay Allen, Quentin Newsom. I think that's a bigger piece as well to talk about because I think that's going to give that staff a very solid base to start from. No doubt. And, and you know, and obviously the the uh, NIL collectives yep. that are that are in play here are adding to that, and, and it's gonna it's gonna provide that foundation I think that Nebraska is going to is going to need to have and leverage you know through the spring um, where you've got that collection of talent that that is carried over that you know that guys you know some guys decided to go ahead and walk away from it and some other guys are not far enough along basically in their in their eligibility to kind of do the same things like a Garrett Nelson or Roshan Mathis but they are they are they are they're coming back, and it looks like they have completely bought back into the idea. And uh, I think that that's going to really help serve the purpose. I mean, for the spring, you know, it, it, that's where you know where you where you talked about with Thompson, and you have to, you have to throw Smothers in that conversation now oh, because yeah. of the injuries. This, that's what makes the Sims just so incredibly important. Is you had to get a guy like him on campus, healthy, there for the spring. Go look beyond the pro potential and and and, and his film at Georgia Tech because that guy's a stud. But I mean, look beyond that. Just that room itself is just dinged up, and and it, and it and you just cannot go out there and feel good about your spring and what you can what you could safely do, you know, or think you could do in the fall if you don't have. Casey and Smothers, and then you also didn't bring in a guy like Sims. That just makes it incredibly difficult to feel confident about about how much you can really squeeze out of that out of that roster without having another guy that's on campus taking some snaps this spring. And you know, it's funny. Hooks and I were talking. I think it was yesterday. We brought up the name Noah Pola Gates just because oh. you know we all want to see him play. You know, he's stuck around, yeah. and you know he's you know he's worked hard. And I wonder if it's that year. I think that Noah came in a little bit underweight, undersized, um, and, and, and I don't. I, I think that I, I watched all of his film, and if he was really playing at that weight that you know he kind of came in at, I mean, that is just that's just a ball hawk, and that, that's a guy that plays way bigger than his frame, you know, that he's out there playing with. But I, I think that you have a harder time making that translation, you know, or making that jump from high school to to college football. 
Um, and, and, and so that's probably caught up with him a little bit. And, and I think also that you know there's been some there's been some things that he's had to had to had to deal with. I think injury wise, I think there's been some other things that have kind of been going on in that space. But obviously, I think that they recognize that there's a, that's a talented individual. I think he's got some capability to, to move between the, the nickel to the safety spot, and that's clearly something that that this staff is still very interested uh, in doing. Is trying to keep guys on the field because you got you got teams now that want to that want to do tempo, and it makes it very difficult to make substitutions even when they're out there and, and the personnel seems to like all of a sudden change with the way that would, based on how they're lined up and you and they're putting you basically testing your personnel that you have to leave in place on your defense. So I, I think guys like Noah Pula Gates uh, could be in, in, in a good position to basically go out there and have a good spring and, and put themselves in a solid spot for the fall. Uh, Brian, also, man, coming up, it's that time again. It's wild card Sunday. We're coming up NFL time. Uh, the Your Bills, they're going to get those Dolphins coming up. Uh, but before you talk about that, I want to ask you, are you in the camp that the way this seating is, it's just the way it worked out. I think the NFL did the best they could to get it where they are. Kansas City 1, Buffalo 2. Are you on the other side saying this is wrong, yes, and all that? No, I think he had some pretty extraordinary circumstances at play here. And I know KC fans, <laughs> at least I dealt with a couple of them online where they were upset and even called the Bills cowards for, you know, if they made it down to the AFC Championship game where it would be played at a neutral site. Hey, if you didn't want that to happen, beat Buffalo and Arrowhead earlier on this season. I mean, that's a real simple way to go about doing that and handling that business. But I, I think the way that it has played out, and and how the NFL has kind of handled this um, has been is is the best that they could possibly do. I really don't think that there would have been any practical way to to get Buffalo to play Cincinnati and then have both Cincinnati ready and, and Buffalo ready to play. You know, another team essentially. You know, for Sunday and and, get, and have this playoff picture settled. You know, basically by by, by Sunday night or Monday morning. Yeah, I can't wait for it to start. It's going to be awesome, and this stuff's coming up. So, All right, Brian, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for taking the time, and uh, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. I will talk to you in a week, guys. We'll see yeah, you. Thanks, Brian. Brian, MontanaScoreLine.com, right there. Always good stuff. Go check all this stuff. I just, that recruiting stuff is amazing. The portal, the number of scholarships. There's so much more to happen. So, All right, let's take a break. We come back. We'll wrap up the show.